yo, what's up, y'all? It's me, DMC. The infamous Chicken Hog, Mac 10. Yo, what's up? This is DJ Yellow from the world's most dangerous group. Yo, check us out. Chuck the public enemy. Yo, 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 what's up? This your boy, c and I'm chilling with my boy, Scott Bader. What's up? This is DLC. This young Cash from the Outlaws. Yo, what's up? It's your boy, Al Capone. This is your boy, Psycho Nip. This is Jerry Howard, motherfucker. It's your boy, DJ Paul KOL from 365. Young Busy Ball. Vice Womp. Yo, this is DJ Ready Grand. What up, what up, what up? This is the real Rick Wong. It's MC Mac for life, Don the Ball, Supreme Bean, KKZ. Yo, what up? This is DJ Quick. Yo, what's poppin'? This is the Kid K, AK. What's up, y'all? This the boy, Master P. Yo, 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 check this out. This is Fresh Kid out the China Man with the two live group. Yo, what up, y'all? Yo, Scott Bader, what up, baby? It's your boy, Sheik. Who's hollering at you, man? This is Jeffy Ventura. You're listening to the Murder Master Music Show. Trying to hit you with a heater in the middle with a chest plate cavity, your hoes trying to lose your soul. King of this motherfucking underground rap shit coming out of Fort Worth, Texas. And every day I gotta eat a big bowl of whack, mumbling rappers up for breakfast. Really top cone so pure, and it really be tougher than a whole fucking lot of grams. A lot of these hoes be faked in the beats, and I see right through them like a motherfucking hologram. And if you want it, I can make a motherfucker back of your throat, meet a pistol grip. And I can really get a hater hog tied up, wrap him up like a motherfucking Christmas Welcome back to the Murder Master Music Show. This is episode 967. We've really got a special one tonight. Uh, this is one of the guys, you know what I'm saying, who um, that I grew up listening to. Uh, we've actually played some of his music on the show before, but it's an honor to actually have him on the show and to hear his story. Uh, man, the one and only Little Blunt from Memphis, man. Little Blunt, how you doing, brother? What's going on, man? What's going on with you? Man, I, I tell you what, I've been listening to you since, well, since 94. Um, it, it, you're a huge part of, of the Memphis, you know what I'm saying, early uh, development. You know, um, I first heard Gangster Pad, of course, you know, uh, but you and Indo G, you guys were really the next ones to really uh, make a lot of noise outside of the city of Memphis. Um, but before right. we talk about that, Take us all the way back, man. Do you growing up listening to hip hop and and stuff? What really got you into the uh, to, into the music? Okay, like what really got me into the music? I think I was like around five or six years old. My uh, my uncle had a, a record shop, 
what he would sell records and tapes, like R&B, hip-hop, everything. It was called Coleman's Records and Tapes. It was over there in Riverside off of Florida and South Parkway. So when I was younger, I had access to all of that. I didn't have to pay a nickel to get no music. I started off uh, listening. My first, what, what really introduced me to hip-hop was the Sugar Hill Gang. So yeah. after the Sugar Hill Gang, I just was in that store like a, a little baby at a candy store, looking at the fat boys. I'm getting the skinny boys. I'm getting uh, just ice. I'm the KRS One, Boogie Down Production, when Scarlet Rock was alive. I'm talking about just whatever I wanted. All the East Coast shit, um, the Ghetto Boys. I was getting everything that, that that came in that store. So I really got influenced like from a, a, a diverse. Different, different, di- different drums, different music. East Coast, West Coast, South. So that uh, man, that, that record, that's that, amazing. That store because op- that store opened up the, the Pandora's box, man. Yeah, yeah, it ignited something in you. Um, that's amazing because I had to save my lunch money to get a tape or a CD at the end of the week. You know what I'm saying? You had the shit right oh, there, man. Your disposal. That's right. Dope. Yeah, you know, so it was a uh, blessing. My uh, my dad brother owned the uh, record shop, and uh, his wife had a beauty shop right next door. So that's where it all started for me at Coleman's Records and Tapes up on South Riverside, South Memphis, Tennessee, Florida, and South Parkway, baby. And then you know, not long after that, you had to uh, start writing your raps, did you not? Oh yeah. Um, I was listening to a lot of different stuff, like from, I'd say from 5 to like 12. At 12, I started writing my own music, started doing little talent shows at all the little junior high places. As a matter of fact, you heard of Duke Deuce, right? No, 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 I haven't. Uh, uh, well, the, Duke, other, the other guy Duke we Deuce was probably he, had, DJ Lewis Duke, Duke Deuce was with QC. He had the song, Crunk Ain't Dead. And then when was this exactly? Uh, that was Duke Deuce. Been a minute. Uh, Crunk Ain't Dead came out like right before COVID, and then COVID hit and then shut everything down. But um, he had a little momentum on that uh, Crunk Ain't Dead song. But he was signed with QC. PDM out of QC signed him. But um, his dad, his dad was my producer when I was twelve years old. And me and wow. him opened up our first show at this place called Studio G. We opened yeah. up for uh, for Trigger Man. Yeah, we oh, opened man. up for Trigger Man, man. And uh, Drag Slice Rap, P. that was... Drag that was Rap, what, right. 90, 92, 91, maybe? No, Drag Rap was before that. It was like 86, 87. Oh, this, this is... Okay, you're talking about... This is way back. Okay. Yeah, I was Shit. twelve, thirteen years old. I didn't know you was rapping that young. Wow. Yeah, I was rap. I was rapping that young, and uh, this guy named George, he owned Studio G. That was the popular club of the town. That's basically where Gangsta Walk going in a circle. That's where that originated. Well, it didn't originate at Studio G, but it uh, it elevated to Studio G from Club Memphis, from you know, from the Bovans to Club Memphis to Studio G. So. That gangster wow. walk was going on strong then, but uh, me and my me and Duke Duke's dad, we opened up for dress for uh for Trigger Man. Damn. Yup. 
See, I, I had no idea you went back to the 80s with it as a kid, man. That's like too low on rap a lot, you know, to bring it on. Um, what, when did you record your first uh, uh, song? Uh, that year. That year. Wow. Duke, Duke's dad produced the record. And um, a guy over in South Memphis, he was like uh, the director of a church that my grandmother went to. But he had a studio too, so he let he let us come in and record and do our thing. So we dropped my first song was called Lifestyle of a Gangster. And that was the actual song that uh, George from Studio G heard and he let me and Duke Deuce Dad his name Duke Nitty. He let me and Duke Nitty open up for the show boys. Huh. I always knew you were one of the earlier artists, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but I had no idea you was actually one of the pioneers, man. That's dope. Oh, yeah. That, that same night, it's uh, Psycho. Not Psycho that you interviewed. That's my homeboy, too. But Psycho of America's Most Wanted. He's like one of the founding fathers of uh, Memphis Hip Hop. He was at, he was there that night. And uh, DJ Slice T, he was there that night, too, when me and my homeboy opened him up for the show board. Man, this is amazing. Did you when you uh when you uh, uh were recording back then, did you uh did you guys shop to like any, any labels at that time or, or were you just keeping it local, honing your craft? What what was your plans? Uh it was straight up local. Outside yeah. of uh doing that show at Studio G we was doing like dances in junior high school and like performing at different talent shows and things. What age did you uh, uh, meet Gangster Pat? Did you see him start to develop? Uh, no, Pat. Pat was actually bef- Pat. Pat was before us. Like I said, like in yeah. my opinion, Memphis got Memphis got three stages. Like the first stage started with Gangster Pat, DJ Zerk, Killer B, Eight Ball, MJG, um, uh, America's Most Wanted, uh, uh, Scarface, Al Capone. Skinny Pimp and two eleven. And if I'm missing anybody, I'm sorry, I don't mean to miss nobody, but I wanna give everybody their props. But that was the foundation of Memphis music. So that was like from like I say ninety one to ninety ninety two to ninety three. That ninety two to ninety three phase built the foundation of Memphis music. So after ninety two and ninety three, uh Ball and MJG they buzz were just out the frame. So, like, they just shot off. And that's the same time me and Endo got on the music scene when we met SMK at this show case they were having at Studio G called The Crossroads. So uh, this guy named Sonny Mac, he's another Memphis legend from Memphis. This guy named Sonny Mac, me and Endo did a song with him. So he was like, man, the Crossroads coming to Memphis, all kind of labels going to be there, man. And uh, I want you and Endo to do a song with me, man, so y'all can perform on stage with me. So it was so many people at that at that place that night. So me, Endo, Sonny Mac came up with a little song. Uh, now, as a matter of fact, Mr. Nigga, who was from a legendary group called Ally Production, he recorded this song called Drop It Off Your Ass that eventually went on me and Endo album that SMK redid, but Mr. Nigga actually produced the first Drop It Off Your Ass. The first Drop It Off Your Ass had a Franklin and uh, Franklin Beverly Mays beat to it and me and the same lyrics and the same hook. So that's the song me and Endo recorded. We went to the Crossroads show and performed it with Sonny Mac, got a great reaction from the crowd. So 
not knowing that SMK, at the time, SMK was signed with EMI Records. So he had a big deal. Sean was one of the first folks to come in Memphis with gold and diamonds in his mouth with jewelry and shit, backup dancers and all that shit. But uh, we didn't know he was in the crowd that night. So before me and Endo could talk to any A&Rs or anybody, SMK trooped us in. He said, man, if you give me nine months, I'll get y'all a record deal. So... You know, we was, like, overwhelmed because SMK was, like, a legend in Memphis. He came with the Gangsta Walk song. And, like, at the time, Gangsta Walk was still, like, real heavy and huge in the streets. So me and Endo jumped on the opportunity to go work at SMK. We went to work at SMK at EMI. That's when uh, SMK was doing business with this guy called Eli Ball. Eli Ball was over this legendary record label in Memphis at the time called Outlaw Records. And at the time, yeah. I think Outlaw Outlaw Records had, they had SMK, they had Skinny Pimp and 211, and, and I think Al Capone was doing a little work with Eli Ball too. But uh, at that point right there, that's the second phase of Memphis. That's when me and Endo came in the game and eventually started doing a lot of work with SMK. And our first deal we ever got it was from uh, it was with Payday Polygram. Before we even signed with Luke, we uh, we uh, Dino Devalier, legendary A and R. He signed uh, Nelly. He signed Cash Money and all them folks. He was the A and R for Payday Polygram. He wanted to sign me and Endo, and uh, the song he wanted to be the singer was Twenties, but he wanted Babacat to do a remix on Twenties. Because at the time, I think Domino's came with the, here we go, here we go, that little super fly sound. So that was fitting right in with what Endo was doing and the material we was dropping. So he wanted Balakat to put a little smooth little remix on 20s. But SMK wasn't having that shit because, you know, he was like executively producing all our shit. But um, we didn't ever get to sign with um, Dino and Payday Polygram. But Dino Devalier, he's still my friend to this day. Oh, that's dope. You kept a, a good relationship with him all these years later. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, now, SMK, um, you know, and, and uh, you guys you guys end up putting out the uh, the first album, The Antidote. Um, yeah, that was with Luke, you, that was with Luke Records. How did you guys meet Luke? How did you meet uh, Luke? Uh, it was this guy, me, SMK, and those with, his name was Troy Sawyer. He was like our in-house promoter slash connect man. You know, trust all you know, a lot of uh, big names and big people. But a uh, guy named Slack Johnson out of Jackson, Mississippi, he used to manage Midnight Star, them old group, that old group Midnight Star. But uh, Slack Johnson, Troy hooked up the situation where me and Endo and SMK went to Jackson, Mississippi to meet Slack. At the time, Slack Johnson was vice president of Luke Records. So uh, me, Endo, and SMK, and Troy, we drove all the way to Jackson, Mississippi, uh, put in our CD. He wanted to see us, you know what I'm saying, do our thing. So he put in the CD. We laid our music down. After we got through performing, he said, what are y'all names? Me and Endo told him our names. He said, y'all got your ID? We were like, yeah, we got our ID. He said, be ready in the morning. We're going to uh, fly y'all to Miami to meet Uncle Luke. And oh, shit, shit. After, we, after that, man, the next day, me, Endo, and SMK, we was out of Memphis, man, and flew straight to Miami. 
Man, that's wild, dude. Because I remember buying like like uh, Luke Records Bass Waves compilations and the early Two Live albums, and then later on getting your stuff. You know, right. um, you came in kind of at the tail end of that first run. You know, before uh, um, you know uh, everything shut down. But um, right. were you guys at that last Jack the Rapper where all that shit went down? Yeah, we was there. We was at the Jack the Rapper. Right, we was yeah. at that Jack the Rapper when Tupac yeah. was going through the mall causing all kind of chaos. <laughs> yep, oh, we for was real? What was Tupac? Tupac was up to no good, huh? Yeah, no, that's when uh, Tupac got into that incident when he uh, shot them two officers. Yeah. Jack the Rapper was going on at the time all that shit was happening. See, we, we talked to, like, Verb. And um, who else was there? Man? And Luke, Luke, uh, Luke, them, Luke, them got the fighting. Luke, them got the fighting with Death Row, yeah. and it was just crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Verb was like they'd stop and take pictures with fans, and Luke had blood on his shirt, but it wasn't his blood. You know, they right. It was just like a crazy scene. That was the last Jack the Rapper. You know, so sure um, was. But I'm telling you, them, them Haitian boys, man, them Haitian boys that was with Luke, man, them boys weren't playing. They were pulling out them blades on them folks, man. Yeah, that's what they were saying. They uh, uh little hated. And, and I think Luke, if I'm not mistaken, he tried to have a sit down with Sugar or something before they came down there, or he warned the guy that was throwing the event, "Look, man, you know, we got to do something before they get down here." And I guess they didn't listen. Right. That ended up being the last Jack the Rapper. Mister Servine was it telling was, us it, he was there too. Right, um, it was the last one. It was it was big, but um, after that had happened, um, I think it was 1995. Luke invited Suge, Snoop, Corrupt, all them folks. He had a, a Super Bowl party at South Beach. So I um, think me and Endo, we did a show with Smith and Wesson that night. And um, that was the actual night that Luke invited Suge and whole Death Row Camp down to Miami, and they actually squashed the beef at that Super Bowl party that night. Uh, uh, that, that, yeah. that must have been something uh, historical to witness. Oh yeah, we met me and Endo. Met, me and Endo met Snoop. We kicked in and smoked bud with Snoop. Corrupt all them folks. They squashed the beef. Everybody was at that Super Bowl party. We went in. A, uh, we took. Well, we actually when when Death Row first came in the building, me and Endo was the one that took Snoop, Corrupt. I think it was Scarface, Houdini, uh, Emmett Smith, Big Shaq. Uh, we was the ones that took them up to the VIP room where Uncle Luke then was at. Damn, that must have been uh, amazing. Just, I mean, all those people, you know. Um, and you guys, this is this is your 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 debut album, um, right? You know, what I'm saying that had to have been an amazing feeling at that time, being so young and being out there with you know all those people. Right. It was a difference from Memphis, Miami. You know, back then it was like a up tempo, ninety five speed <laughs> kind of city. You know, Memphis slow laid back with that slow laid back eight oh eight sound, but uh, Miami was most definitely a different experience for us. Yeah, I was I was up on uh, Poison Clan at that time, man. I, I had all all their fucking albums, and uh, you know, JT Money. Did you get to? Uh, you know, saying kicking with him or possibly work with oh, him. Yeah, back J, then? J, oh yeah, J T Money, me, him, and Endo was kicking it like 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 we've been knowing each other for forever. We kicked it with uh, H Town too, 
Yeah. I remember, yeah. Here's, here's another story. H-Town had an interview with BT. So they set up the interview on Luke Yacht. So that's the first time me and Endo, we never met H-Town because H-Town had their own management and they was doing their own little thing, right? So Luke then was like, we, uh, H-Town having an interview, BT in the interview, H-Town, uh, we y'all going to be on Luke Yacht with them. So, you know, go prep up and get ready to go to Luke Yacht. So we go to Luke Yacht, we meet Dino, Shazam, and they cousin, man, and we chop it up with them so cold. But when we met H-Town, that's when me and Endo first got a real taste of what the music business really is. So we met Dino, we met Shazam. And, you know, Dino was laid back. He did not made rest in peace, but uh, he was laid back. Shazam was the outspoken one. So Shazam took me and Endo to the side. He said, yo, man. He said, man, y'all shit dope, man. We been, we, we was bumping y'all shit all the way over here, man. He said, let me ask y'all a question. Who's y'all manager? So Endo said, uh, Michael Hopkins. And then uh, Shazam said, oh, man, that's how they got us, man. That's exactly how they got us. Man, Michael Hopkins can't be y'all manager because he worked for Luke. That's conflict of interest, man. Man, fire him as a manager. You know, me and Endo, 19 years old at the time, so, like, we thinking we straight, we, me and the got that up front money. We happy, smiling, buying all kind of shit. We met H-Town, and when Shazam told us that information, me and Endo went back and were like, God damn. And we started looking shit up, and, man, that shit is conflict of interest. Rockville Management was Michael Hopkins' management company, but Michael Hopkins was an employee under Luke Records. So, Endo was like, man, you know, he ain't going to have our motherfucking best interest at heart because she Luke, his boss. He going to watch yeah. out for Luke. So, man, that's when we knew we was in a crazy situation, boy. That was, hey, that was a hard pill to swallow on at, at that yacht, at that BET interview, boy. I can we imagine. Like, Whoa. Um, man, Fresh Kid Ice, he was a huge friend of our show, man. Rest in peace. Uh, did you did you get to yeah, Chris, him Chris, Martin? Chris, that's my partner, man. Laid yeah, back, was, cool dude, man. Yeah, real humble, real humble. What are some of you yeah, yeah. Chris? Chris was laid back and quiet, man. He always stayed in his own space. You know, when we met Chris, Marquise, him and Marquise wasn't a group anymore. That's when Verb came into the new new two live group. But um, yeah. Chris was laid back. He stayed to himself. You know what I'm saying? And uh, just was in his own zone, man. And, like, me personally, like, Chris was in a uh, car accident where he, uh, his arm, fucked his arm up or something, right? So I guess when that kind of traumatic situation happened to a person and a person can't use, use a limb anymore, that kind of fuck with a person's psyche, man, and, like, I have you on another zone. I know Brother Marquise one time told me that uh, Chris used to be outgoing and, you know, he said, man, that nigga fucked up his arm, man, getting head on the highway. I was like, wow. But, uh, but yeah, Chris was laid back, man. He was in his own zone, quiet to himself. Verb, Verb was the vibrant one of the uh, two live, new two live crew, just like Marquise was the vibrant one of the old two live crew. Verb, my Verb, nigga. Uh, yeah, Verb, he could spit, man. He Now, he was, he was rapping fast. You know, um, back then, yeah, back then, which wasn't really common, uh, let alone for someone from Florida. You know, I was right. that was dope. 
you know, you know when uh, I, I thought Verb was gonna blow up because the first introduction to Trick uh, to uh, Trick Daddy, right? Verb was actually right. on that song, and I thought I said, "Oh shit, Verb finna blow the fuck up now." But uh, Trick Trick was the one that just blew up after that, though. Yeah, yeah, that definitely. Yep. Uh, yeah, I remember. I remember getting all the the albums back then, and uh, <clears throat> I was real impressed with Verb's talent, you know. But um, here you guys are, man, from Memphis. You're just kids. You're over there at Luke, you know, fresh off the beef with Death Row Records, and they squashed it. Um, did you have any idea at that time that uh, you know Luke Records was kind of going to dissolve? Uh, no, we had no clue. We had no clue. We didn't find out until it actually dissolved. And then come to find out that, um, Luke was having issues with his, with, with his lawyer, his attorney, Joe Weinberger. But, uh, yeah. Joe Weinberger, he got this record label called Lil Joe Records. Somehow him and Luke fell out and had a little beef and shit. That got Joe end up with Luke's entire catalog. Yeah, I think he went bankrupt so, and, and he picked he, it all he up. He went bankrupt. Yep, he went bankrupt, and my um, I had got this um, talked to this attorney, and he told he, he instructed me on what to do to get me and Indo out that contract. So um, uh, I drew up a little one-page contract to them, and um, uh, asked them to release us out of our contract. So when all that shit started happening, we got released out the contract. Yeah. That, that was good. You were fortunate, man, because, uh, <clears throat> you know, Two Live Crew, they weren't so lucky. You know, um, Joe kind of seized everything over there. I think yeah, Boy he he on got to... out of it, too, didn't they? Yeah, they yeah, did. they went to Warlock. Yeah. Yeah, JT Money, JT Money moved to Atlanta. Yeah. He got yep. out of there. And uh, you guys, you know what I'm saying, you didn't skip a beat, man. You went right to Up and Smoke. After uh, the antidote, you know, uh, oh, yeah. and that that was successful too. I remember J Dog sending me that album. He sent me that with Al Capone, The Resurrection. I think right. um, Three Six Live by Your Rep. Um, mm-hmm. Ninety five was a hell of a year for Memphis hip hop. You know, A Bone oh, yeah. and J D had on top of the world. Uh, right, that's the that was the second was, wave. That was yeah. the second wave. Like the like I said, the first wave was the foundation of Memphis. You got OTS, you got OTS Records. They had Gangsta Pat under them. They had DJ Zerk. They had uh, Killer B. They had Eight Ball MJG. Uh, I think Teela was up there. Um, just a lot of different artists that was up there. Uh, Homicide was up there. Um, that was the first. That was the foundation of Memphis music. And from there, the second wave, the second wave, me, Endo G. Tila and I could I could throw three six up in there too because three six wasn't a part of the first wave. I think Juicy J was fucking off up at OT Records with them, but I don't think Paul was. But uh, that second wave was Endo G, Lil Blunt, A Ball, MJG, Three Six Mafia, and Tila. All right. So that that wave lasted from like 1995 to like 1999. And when 1999 toward 2000 came, that's when this 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 little child from North Memphis named Yo Gotti came, and he he was the third wave. He took the ball and ran with it with with um with Money Back Yo and all the success he got. 
with the individuals he signed with his label. So, Gotti, the whole CMG clique, uh, Young Dolph, Glorilla, uh, NEL Chopper, you know, the, the, those little young cats, they the third wave. And, you know, that's the wave that's got Memphis in motion right now, man. They standing on the shoulders yeah. of all the old heads. Memphis, yeah, a lot of people are sampling you guys, you know, saying different artists from Memphis. Um, I mean, it, it's really withstood the test of time, and it's a huge influence right now. Did you ever think Memphis music would be like that, uh, a, a, like a worldwide phenomenon all these years later? I think it could have – it would have been like that, i say – I say in like ninety, in like I say ninety seven, two thousand. It could have been like that way back then, but uh, a lot of folks from Memphis start getting rich, getting money, and you know, start you know, politicking as they should do, and you know, buying DJs and you know, <laughs> paying DJs and you like you know the little you know it's a simple case of uh, big bank take little bank. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you ain't got that big bank, you ain't got that big bank to, to swim in the ocean, man. Them sharks going to eat you up, man. And, you know, it's, oh, it's yeah. just, you know, business and shit just got diversified on a whole nother technical business, true level in Memphis, man. Oh, it's yeah. almost like a case. It's, that's when I first learned. I first learned. I said, damn, you can actually buy your success <laughs> if yeah. you got the money. Real talk. Yeah. Real, it's yeah, the same thing with this podcast game. You know, we 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 uh, first kicked off in, in '04, and then uh, we we took a break. If you remember Street Masters magazine, um, I do. I wrote I wrote for them from uh, I think it was '03 to '08 when they closed. But we we closed down in '08, and then we brought it back in 2012. And for a while, you know, we were one of the the only ones doing it. And uh, wow. know, I hate nobody. It's good to see, but there's like everybody and their fucking mama has a podcast now, you know. So sure it's hard. To, I listen to a lot of them myself, but it's hard to keep up. There's so many, you know. Right. But you you, you so doing many. the right things. Like you you doing the right thing. Because I'm gonna tell you something. Like guys like you, content creators, y'all the new gatekeepers. People gotta come through y'all now. Even the labels. You know what I'm saying? So, like. This Memphis wave going on, and you doing all these interviews with these different Memphis folks, man. You riding the right wave at the right time, and I promise you, it's gonna it's gonna prosper for you in the end. Because Memphis ain't finna slow down. Memphis ain't Memphis ain't finna slow down at all. No, no, man. I've always always loved Memphis music, and uh, you know when, when I started doing reviews in the Murder Dog. Um, I was always getting Memphis CDs and, and uh, you know what I'm saying, uh, like the homie King JC. He uh, right. He was actually doing reviews with me and Al Capone. Al Capone was writing right. at that time. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we remember you up at the Murder Dog, too, man, when you were dropping your know, albums yourself, you know what I'm saying, higher level and everything. Um, right. A little blunt went, went uh, with Paul and Jay, uh, were there any talks of bringing you guys in as a group at that time, or just solo stuff? Uh, I think uh, Endo Endo was in a in, in a situation with um, this guy named Nick Scarfo. I think Nick uh, yeah, I Endo that. had signed right, and Nick Endo signed some paperwork with Nick, and like once he did that, 
you know, Nick Nick was holding on to Endo for dear life. May he rest in peace. But Nick Nick is actually my cousin. But uh, oh yes, yeah yes. Nick is my cousin. He uh, my my uh, sister is Nick's first cousin. My uh, my sister from me and me and my me and her got the same dad. Her and Nick is first yeah. cousin. So like I've been knowing Nick since he was a little kid. Nick was actually the one that bankrolled, well, he ain't bankrolled 3-6, but he helped invest some money in them doing them selecto yeah. his, his days. He was in the yeah. feds with a bootleg of the Dayton family. Um, mm, oh, man. Yeah, back in the day. we I remember uh, bootleg was telling us about that. Well, I remember Nick, too. I interviewed him several times for the cover of Street Masters. Matter of fact, right. that magazine... When uh, there was a couple times, you know, when it was uh, it was running behind and not on time, and Nick came through and helped us out, you know, and, right. and uh, you know that's why you saw him on the cover quite a few times. But man, rest in right. Nick. But uh, it's this it's this lawyer, this entertainment lawyer back in the day. His name Kato Walker. I think he was DJ Paul, them lawyer at the time when they was with Selecto Hits, right? And I'm gonna tell you how shrewd DJ Paul and Juicy is. All right, them motherfuckers are like. When it come to learning the music business, them motherfuckers are like magnets. They was just grasping that shit, man, and knew what to do on the business end when they was young and early, right? They go to Nick. Nick help, Nick help invest in, you know, profit entertainment, right? So, you know, Nick, long as long as 3-6 selling, Nick get his little cut. Whatever they negotiate, I don't know what they negotiated, but I know he got a cut on whatever profit entertainment was getting, right? So... Paul and Juicy, they was riding along with it, riding along with it, riding along with it. Like I said, you learn, you learn. You meet people. You, as, as you move up, you meet more powerful people, more powerful people sharing their knowledge in their game. Like I said, Paul and Juicy were like sponges. They were learning the shit out of their business side of the music business because it's 90% business. That 90% business is what got them cats rich today. But anyway, you know, Nick was riding along with them, propping in the same, propping in the same. He was getting his cut, getting his cut. Soon when Paul and them got that deal with relativity, right? They switched the game on Nick motherfucking ass. They they eliminated profit entertainment and created a whole other label called Hypnotized Mind. So in the process of doing Hypnotized Mind, they ain't old Nick nothing. You know what I'm saying? But um, I heard Nick still got the ownership of profit entertainment to use the. He got the label Profit Entertainment, but she, at that time, Profit Entertainment was, was a very little value. They moved on up, man, and went on a whole nother level Went after yeah. they uh, got their deal of relativity. Once they got their deal of relativity, they didn't slow down, not even to this day. Yeah, because I remember them dropping the Profit Posse, and, and then later on, years later, Nick dropped a, a couple sequels to it, if I'm not mistaken. I, I know right. sure he might have dropped three of them. But, uh, right. uh, yeah, that's, I mean, it, it's crazy, man, because when you look at it, I mean, you, your career goes all the way back to the 80s, and you right. got to see the evolution of Memphis. I remember reaching out to you uh, a while ago, and you, and, and you told me, you're like, man, I'm going to tell you the whole truth about Memphis, man. You told me a lot of shit so far tonight that I had no idea. Oh, yeah. So I appreciate that. Oh yeah, I, I know I know a, a lot of stuff, but I ain't finna get in other people's business. Like I said, I never um, yeah. did any business with uh, Paul. I never did any business with Juicy, but uh, I know Paul and Juicy. I bumped bumped into Paul 
a lot of times, and you know, every time I see him, it ain't nothing but love. Uh, yeah. I know I've been knowing Paul since like high school. But uh, oh yeah, Endo actually grew. Endo actually grew up right down the street from Paul. Was Paul now? Paul had the Chucky doll driving around and everything. Um, yeah. Was Lord Infamous told us you know one of his earlier influences, and Paul said the same thing. Matter of fact, Paul was on the show talking to Gangster Nip. You know, saying South Park Psycho. Um, was, was some of the Memphis guys influenced by the SPC and, and, and what Nip and and Point Blank and others was doing in Texas at that time? No, I wouldn't say that. Because what uh, what Lower Infamous and Paul was doing, they like created that shit all on their own. So I guess you can say, like what them cats was doing in Houston and what Paul then was doing. I guess the skies was aligned on a certain level, and and them sounds were parallel parallel with one another. But uh, yeah, shit, Paul Paul them been doing that shit since my shit the early nineties. Yeah. Yeah, him and Lord told us that one of their influences was Gangsta Nip, you know, um, because when he came out, you know, it was just just crazy, Uh, even before the the Bring It On, you know. Right, um, like that Gangsta Nip, that that Esham ass sound. Yeah, Esham, yeah, absolutely, Mm -hmm. Esham, I remember hearing him in like 89, 90, and uh, he had a song called The The Devil's Groove, and it was just... It was just, hey, he was just dope. wicked, like he says. Yeah, yeah. boy, that oh, was yeah. dope. Yeah, he's still doing it, man. He still put he put out a real dope album last year. Um, but can't nobody, hey, can't nobody do that horror. Hey, I call I call it horror hop. I don't call what Paul do hip hop horror pop horror hop. Can't nobody do that shit like that, man. Like Juicy got his own flavor. You know, Juicy got more of that pimping that North Memphis pimp pimp juice in him. You know, but Paul created that 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 his own little twang with the horror thing straight out of Black Haven, man. I give him his yeah, credit Paul, on that. Paul was uh yeah, definitely an innovator. Yeah, we had him and uh Bushwick Bill chopping it up on the show one time and it, it was just dope to hear them two talk, you know, and you know, we brought on Servon, we brought on a few others. When we do um we're gonna be doing our thousandth episode uh later on this year uh, we we like to bring on a lot of people, man. You're more than welcome to uh, join us if you want. You know, chop it up with some other people, and you know, like a roundtable oh, almost. All, right, it's all good. You got my number, yeah. man. All you gotta do is hit me up. Hell yeah, hell yeah. I'm, I'm with um, that. I'm gonna go to this song you sent me. Then we're gonna bring on the homie DJ Lord Sinister from France, the French Connection. He has a couple of uh, questions to ask you. This one's called okay. Dope Man Baby, man. Tell us about this one. Well, Dope Man's Baby is like a, it's a story of my life, man. The story of my life from, I say from, the story of my life from five, from, from uh, Coleman's Records and Tape all the way up to the Luke days, man. Wow. And is this uh is this something I'm the, I'm the, that you drop soon I'm, or, or? I'm I'm the I'm the dope man's baby, man. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well don't go nowhere. We'll be right back with Little Blunt right here on the Murder Master Music Show. Yeah. 
on my flex like a motherfucking champ on the punk bitch. I was raised in the fucking trap, little punk bitch. What's a plug when your daddy plugged in like a socket? I was young, put niggas on, shooting like a rocket. See a nigga jealous and wanna give me my proper credit. I was making connections, flexing just like I'm calisthenic. In the streets, I'm Mr. Get them gone, Mr. Put them on, Mr. Bustles on. Down quick like I'm walking home. Dumb man can't be hate that bitch. Don't watch me go watch that trick. Hating on the real one, cause your whole life is straight counterfeit. Bitch, I'ma write you a ticket for reckless eyeballing. Trick, I thought I told you that players ain't falling. Shit, is what they say when they see you straight balling. Brick, is what my kid folks is constantly hauling. Born in it, y'all niggas was sworn in this shit. Fuck a wave, nigga, on mud like a storm in this bitch. Born to get rich, cause I keep on going with the leaks. That's my superpower, cause I keep on growing on the tree. A whole power move by myself, a one-man army. Never fuck with lanes and guard I trust, ain't no one harming. Till till that shit was my turn, and hell down the way. Fuck a slice of a pie, I want a whole damn cake. It's like no strength, no story, no nuts, no glory. Don't ever let a lame get a fucking pin to your story. Keep your foot on the gas, ain't that pressure on smash. Then we gon' always fall. But in the end, you're strong on land. Clean up my own fucker industry. B- bitches better stay solid if they ever mention me like penitentiaries. I'm built on bricks and I stand on principles. Got a small circle cause ain't no telling what chicks are doing. On the cheek. I'm a river fast thump on the cheek. Bad up like a blunt on the cheek. Thump on the cheek. Head in the sky. Make money time bringing back. And I'm way up high in the sky. And I flew like a bird when it fly. I'm the one that I sign on the hoe. Oh, what you say? Hard as fuck. Uh, little blood. <laughs> when's, when's that coming out, man? Hey, I'm dropping it probably uh, March 21st. You know, that's my wife. That's my wife rapping at the end, man. That's your wife? Wow, she's oh, busy yeah. too. Man. Oh yeah, she got her own. She got her own story to tell, man. She been rapping for a minute too, man. So back in I think uh, I think it was 2003. She linked up with this guy. I had a uh, featuring on a, uh, the High Level record. She's actually rapping on my High Level record. But uh, she linked up with Trevor Gerardo. At the time, Trevor Gerardo, he was uh, with Arista Records. So uh, he was very interested in her, man. But at the time, she was pregnant with my twins, man. And man, he oh, offered her yeah, a deal and everything. Yeah. He, she, he offered her a deal and everything. She, she turned the deal down, man, to be a mother, man. There you go. And salute to her. Salute to her. And uh, it's dope that that you guys are able to make music together. You know what I'm saying? Like that. Um, But is is this going to be just a single, or is this going to be part of an album, an EP? Oh, it's going to be a a seven-song EP. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. And we definitely, definitely got to get that. Are you going to press physical copies for us uh, collectors? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what's up. We're gonna Hell do. Yeah. We're gonna do have promos and everything, man. You know, I'm gonna keep in contact with you. And, uh, Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Got yeah, a few ideas for you, man. Hey, I want to. Hey, 
Hey, I just I appreciate you giving me this interview, man. So, uh, shit, I'm gonna do whatever I can, man. I got, like I said on Facebook, I got a lot of groups and communities on there. So, and I got like total, like probably 180,000 people following me in my groups and communities, man. And I'm gonna spread the word on your podcast, man. We're gonna get that shit on and popping. We appreciate that, brother. Uh, here's the homie uh, from France, a French connection, DJ Lord Cynics. Send you there, brother. Yes, yes, sir. I call high level brothers the French connection. <laughs> What's going on with you, Lord? Yeah, I'm fine already. Um, That's what's up. Can, can I tell us about your your song back in the day? Uh, was called M Town. Uh, it was on the tape produced by SMK. Yeah. M Town. The M Town. Well, yes, SMK. At the time, I think everybody was everybody. All the other producers in Memphis was rocking with them. Uh, I think it's an 808 drum machine, and uh, mm-hmm. SMK came to Memphis with that SP 1200. Man, he's just changed the whole game up with them hi hats, man. And SMK actually did that song for Tupac. He did. He produced "I Came to Bring the Pain" for Tupac, but uh, SMK sold the beat to Devontae Swing, and Devontae Swing in return got credit. On the production of that song, but SMK mm. actually produced that song. Right, right. Uh, on uh, Blame It on the Funk, you mentioned uh, Crystal Palace, you mentioned the clubs, the Studio G, and uh, even the, the Club Expo, Club No Name at the time was, was crazy. I was, I was over here in 95, so it was a crazy time for the clubs. Can you tell us about the, the influence of the Bavan work and all that? Way before it was ten years before it was eighty six, eighty seven, and after it came ninety five. Uh, right. Tell us about the, the, the influence of the Baba world later, and you you know their uh, Juice Bone, uh, of course, uh, Sonny D rest in peace, uh, by the day. Okay. Well, um, like I like to blame it on the funk. When we came out with blame on the funk, it was like a slow groove. I like to call Blame It on the slow tune or Blame It on the Funk Chopping Screw before Chopping Screw. Blame It on the Funk was a slow Chopping Screw record without being chopped up and screwed up, if you if that makes sense to you. Because yeah. how slow it is. Right, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got also the song uh, Strictly for the Jesus. It was a crazy song, too. So can I tell us about this one? Okay, strictly for the G's. I think uh, yeah. me and SMK, me and me and Endo G came up with that concept by ourselves, and uh, we liked it because it had that uh, that blues sample in on, on the chorus part, and it was very slow with that hard bass line on it. But uh, we liked that song because we can go slow and rap fast. Like at the time, we was rapping fast and tongue twisting. Like I said on the record, I said. Uh, I said, straight cheeks out all the time. That's how I'm being. I'm T-E-W-N-E-W-S-W-E. That's Tennessee. All right. When nobody's just rapping fast like that, but a lot of people in Memphis, Lord Infamous, in my opinion, created that that tripaton flow. But uh, mm-hmm. Bone Thugs and Harmony said they created that. And then just like me and, uh, me and, me and my man was just talking about, uh, Verb was coming with that triple triple fast flow. So this here's my here's my theory on the the tongue twist and the triple tri, the triple tongue flow, whatever you want to call it. I think 
No one created tongue twisting. This is what I think. Everybody was just into their craft and trying to come up with, like, different styles and just different shit. Some people went slow. Some people tried to rap fast. Some, you know what I'm saying? They're just coming up different shit and just having different styles. Because back in the 80s and, like, 90s, people were still battling. We was in school hitting, hitting, hitting the, the uh, lunch table rapping. And, like, you know, the, the whole goal was to come up with the dopest, the most different shit. So I think a lot of people in the hoods all across America experience trying to come up with a different style and the shit that, that tongue twist just creeped up in one of them styles that they wrote and used. But um, in my opinion, if I had to choose one person that started that triple tongue shit, I, well, I, I got to choose two people. I got to go with Skinny Pimp and Lord yeah. Infamous. Them the first two that was yeah. that was rapping fast like that. Skinny Pimp and Lord Infamous. Yeah. And talking about Skinny Pimp, you got a song with him. It was a uh, uh, out Straight Town. from Tennessee. Uh, yeah, it's a dope, very dope song. Uh, can you tell us about, about this one with Skinny? Was the the song with uh, the song straight yeah. from Tennessee? Me and right, right. Skinny. I think uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony went in the magazine. They dissed Memphis in the magazine. So the at the time, <laughs> me Skinny and Endo G. That was our way of responding. It's, it, that straight from Tennessee is really a diss record for 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 Bone Thugs and Harmony. We just didn't name it a diss record. We just named it straight from Tennessee. That's why in Skinny Party he said, uh, he said, uh, Endo on Endo Party said, I got a bone to pick with them thuggish, ruggish busters. And uh, Skinny even dissed them on one of, on one of his lines. But uh, Straight from Tennessee was a bone thug diss, man. Yeah, okay. And uh, as the cover was done uh, of Up and Smoke by Pen and Pixel Graphics, how can the idea, the concept uh, with it be shown? It was your idea, or, or it was in the uh, together? Talking about the artwork? Yes, the artwork by Pen and Pixel. Uh, we collaborated on the artwork. We collaborated on the artwork. Even the, uh, when we was with Luke, like on on top of the bridge and with the uh, with the cars, with the Danes on it, and three-wheel motion, them was all our ideas together collectively. Yeah. And his album was... Uh, Produced by SNK, but also by Slasty, and uh, yes. arranged by Larry Nix. Larry Nix was uh, the, the, the guy who was at Adam Studio, and uh, he makes a lot of people like Three Six. You can you tell us right. about, about them, Slasty and Larry Nix? It's one well, like Nix. The, the, the black clean, like the uh, you know the people who makes it. <laughs> Right, Larry Nix. Larry Nix was actually the, one of the best. Like when you wanted, like when you recorded your record, went to the studio, recorded all your shit, and you got right. your rough draft of the shit you recorded. You'd go from the rough right. draft to get it mixed. Right, after you get it mixed, Larry Nix was the best man in the city that would master your product. So like everybody in the city wanted Larry Nix to master their record because because of the sound he was pushing. He had the best. He had the best compressors. He had the best equipment that you can use. So, think of everybody, every artist in Memphis with a name went to Larry Nix to get their record mastered. Larry yeah. Nix old. Uh, he he old school man. I think he was around back when when uh, Johnny Phillips' dad was around with Elvis Presley, man. Yeah, 
Yeah. Like like uh, like Sun Records back then. Sun Records, right. Them filler boards, man. Memphis music history yeah. goes so deep, man. It's uh, Al Capone did a great song and video years ago, probably about maybe ten years ago, called "The Music." I'm sure you remember that, right? Uh, yeah. Where it just showcases all the the history stacks, records, and you know, Gangster Pat's dad's there, Psycho's dad was there, um, right? Just an uh, amazing amount of history, man. Right, I think it's the river, man. You know that, that 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 Mississippi River, you know, it ain't nothing but energy, man. So, whatever yeah. energy coming out of that part of the Mississippi River is putting something in 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 the veins of Memphians, man. That's like the Nile Fairly. in Egypt. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Right through. Exactly. The, we call it the Nile of the West. And that's Fairly. weird. I'm in Southern Illinois right now. They call this whole area Little Egypt. You know what I'm saying? Sure I, do. It's, Something, uh, something in the water, you know. But uh, <laughs> Sin, um, uh, do you have any more questions, brother? Uh, oh, yeah, man. <clears throat> just like uh, I don't have any more questions. We covered uh, quite a bit. We didn't cover all, but we covered quite a bit. So you know what I'm saying. You ever need anything, man? Like I said, I appreciate this interview, man. This this is my first interview since. <laughs> Like a long time back in the day with me and Endo, but uh, I appreciate you for reaching out to me, man, and giving me this interview, man. And uh, if you need to reach out for me for anything or need anybody number for Memphis, just holler at me, man, and I'm down with you. If I have some hey, ideas we, on some content, if I have some ideas on certain content or whatever, I shoot them to you through your through my messenger, man. Hey, we we really appreciate yeah. you, brother, and um, you know what I'm saying. I want to give you the floor. I think Sin had one more question though before we uh, give you the floor. But, oh, uh, I, I, go ahead. I Sid. would just say the not also in the early early Memphis you got Footmaster FM uh, in '92, which which I got. It was the influence of uh, Gigi Jimmy, all that, and you got also G Style in '93. It, it, right, it yep, was G Style. People who was very underrated. And, uh, right, G Style. G Style uh, signed with yeah. Bad Boy back in the day. Yeah, yeah, right. Yep, G-Style signed uh, with Bad Boy back in the day. And uh, Man of the Hour and Legion of Doom also. <laughs> it was a free group of uh, against the father and the face. So right. So it was a crazy group. <laughs> yeah, the first, the first artist to sign a record, a major. Pat was the first artist from Memphis to sign with a major. Yeah, Atlantic, yeah. Uh, and I think he went to Joy Boy or something after that. But you guys, you guys were the, the first group to sign with a major label, weren't you? Not? Yeah, we was the first group. We was the first yeah. group to sign with a major, which was Luke. Yeah, yeah, Luke was huge yep. at that. I mean, a lot of platinum. I remember uh, Chris telling us the first Two Life Crew record went gold out of the back of Luke's mom's house. You know, which is, is unheard of. First gold record in yep. the South, too. You know, legendary label. Luke was Jay Prince before Jay Prince. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Uh, your cousin uh, was a uh, Nick Scarfo was a lot of uh, as, uh, still because also he owned a club of DJ Paul. So DJ Paul's clubhouse was owned by him. He gives uh, the money for and uh, yeah. he. He was he, he was before uh, each time terminal activity. Uh, 
uh, a cousin tried to to get them with Papa Freddy. He gets it in the in the Palace Records label, and uh, he tried to to get them in the <clears throat> uh, more more shine. But uh, right. it was he he do he do a lot of things before what I think he did. Right. So, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, Nick. Nick was a Nick. Nick. Nick, Nick played a, a major role with profit and entertainment. You know, right, right. He he played a major role with profit entertainment. You know, like I said, DJ Paul and Juicy J, they very intellectual and very smart when it comes to the business side of music, man. And you know, like I said, Nick played a huge role with profit entertainment. So for us, the investments he was doing or whatever, but um. Shit, they still had that music though, and like yeah. you know yeah, everything. He was, he was a he was a real owner. <laughs> right, he wasn't the owner. Right, he was a, he was a Ari Ari O of Memphis. <laughs> and trust and trust me, <laughs> hey, and trust me that the percentage. I don't think DJ Paul and Juice would give Nick. Nick wouldn't get no twenty and fifteen percent. He he probably had the lowest and lowest percent. They ain't finna <laughs> give you no. <laughs> they gonna hey them boys are money hogs, man. Yeah, they shrewd I, I though. Did. That's shrewd though. You gotta respect. I can't do nothing but respect it because it's like it's business, you know. Yeah. You're supposed to like well, anything I, I you do. What, a little blunt. Not you're supposed to. to learn. I just uh, wanted to thank you again, man, because uh, the the history you gave us tonight is just amazing. Uh, not only about yourself, but just about Memphis in general. You know, a lot of stuff right. uh, we didn't know. Uh, we appreciate you. And before we do get out of here, brother, uh, mm-hmm. I want to give you yeah. the floor. If you got any shout-outs or if you want to uh, promote anything, or you know, it's, it's all yeah, yours. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Be on the lookout. Be on the lookout for my seven-song E, my seven album. And it's not an album. My seven-song EP is called Dope Man's Baby. It's featuring my wife's son. And I want to shout out the entire city of Memphis. I want to shout out Black Haven. I want to shout out Little Eyeball, the Euphoria Click, Baby. I want to shout out Killer B, A-Ball, MJG. I want to shout out 3-6, the whole 3-6 Mafia, the old members, the new members, and the the, the uh, performers who came and being a part of the, the in-between. I want to give a shout out to even WDF. This A guy named WDF is named William Bratchett, the first he was the first rapper from Memphis to be on TV. He did a cable vision commercial back in the day. His name is WDF. I want to give a shout-out to Al Capone. I want to say rest in peace to Cocaine Wayne. You know what I'm saying? I just found out Cocaine Wayne had passed. I want to give a shout-out to Skinny Pimp, 211, DJ Squeaky, Criminal Man, Pimpster, uh, uh, who else? Yo Lynch. I want to give a shout-out to... Um, uh, Psych, the new psycho. I want to give a shout out to the old psycho from the America's Most Wanted. I want to give a shout out to Sonny D. I want to give a shout out to DJ Just Born, DJ Superman, uh, even Devin Steele. I want to give a shout out to Devin Steele, just the whole city of Memphis, man. And I appreciate y'all for having me on y'all show. Man, definitely, definitely. We look forward to it again in the future, brother. Um, man, that was episode nine six seven with Little Blunt. Man, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that because I know we did. We're gonna play a couple of uh, songs, man. We're gonna kick it off with Players Don't Fall. 
Then we're going to play uh, Blame Another Funk, followed by Stray from 10. And I think we're going to play Dope Man Baby again because that motherfucker is just hard. Man, peace.
Shorty smoking chicken, creeping and ditching pole poles. Slow pro, about that cheese slamming those. It don't matter about them counterfeit, I'm legit. Nickel and dime tricks, talking lip ain't on his tip. So them suckers strip straight from the M. Making M from limb to limb. Blunts with them, you know how we do it. And smooth, cause I'm a pimp. These busters wanna test the boss of a rough neck. But they chasing it, cause we flex like a mad tip. Pop, pop on the golden weasels. We serving them fools like these, but he hot trick. Yeah, you miss. Country this, you slutty squeezer. Straight from Tennessee, drinking here. See my identity, be laid back by my business, yo, and nothing can limit me. Top smack, get smack, but Jack, I am a Mac. We really rebuilding it well, straight cool, that's how we act. Laid back in the cut, messed up, and stuff is done. We chilling like some village, yo, you know where we coming from. I'm a flex like a motherfucking champ on the punk beach. I was raised in the fucking trap, little punk beach. What's a plug when your daddy plugged in like a socket? I was young, putting niggas on, shooting like a rocket. Still, niggas jealous and want to give me my proper credit. I was making connections, flexing just like I'm calisthenic. In the streets, I'm Mr. Get them gone. Mr. Put them on, Mr. Buffer's on. Down quick, like I'm walking home. Don't make hate me, hate that bitch. Don't watch me go watch that trick. Hating on the real. Cause your whole life is straight counterfeit Bitch, I'ma write you a ticket for reckless eyeballing Trick, I thought I told you that players ain't falling Shit, is what they say when they see you straight balling Sworn in this shit. Fuck a wave, nigga. On mud like a storm in this bitch. Born to get rich, cause I keep on going with the leaks. That's my superpower, cause I keep on growing on a tree. A whole power move by myself. A one man army. Never fuck with lanes and guard that truck. Ain't no one harming. Heal to that shit was my turn. Hell down the way. Fuck a slice of a pie. I want a whole damn cake. It's like no strength, no story, no nuts, no glory. Don't ever let a lame get a fucking pin to your story. On the gas, in that pressure on smash The we gon' always fall, but in the end, the strong gon' last Clean up my own fucker industry B- Bitches better stay solid if they ever mention me Like penitentiaries, I'm built on bricks And I stand on principles Got a small circle, cause ain't no telling what chicks are doing Yeah, they got us fucked up, we always taking big bucks Ain't no fucking we us, my man go to get richer And bump on the chick, hit him up, get him crunk on the chick I'm a riverside stump on the chick Head in the sky, make money count breaking back And I'm way up high in the sky, and I flew like a bird when it fly I'm the one that I sign on the hoe Oh, what you say? Yeah, top behind my back, silly hoe But I'm still sitting back on the hoe Check this, my shine so strong just like some stones on a necklace Check this, my life so bright, humble, but hoe cannot test this Check this, been there, done it, did that so hard, ain't no flexing Check this, I, I know they know me, big, big, mad, they can't check this Morning people wake up for peace and quiet. McDonald's breakfast people, we wake up for the sweet rush of getting that warm, delicious breakfast right before it ends. 
Wake up and start your morning at McDonald's. Right now, buy a McGriddle sandwich, like a bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles, sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles, or sausage McGriddles, and get the second one for just a buck. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.